Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab, the name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die? There will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass, when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, saying, The Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. Now the title of this message actually has a parenthetical statement in the midst of it. You'll not find it on your bulletin. You won't see it on the screen. But it's actually this, what do you do when others around you are quitting? What do you do when others are quitting? There are many accounts in the Bible of people's lives that serve as an example to us, and that serve as an encouragement to us, and I don't think the book of Ruth is any different. There's wonderful lessons to be learned in 
the book of Ruth. Many people look at this book and they see a love story. That's all they see. And they see Ruth and Boaz and the great love and so forth. And it may be a love story of sorts, but I tell you what, that's the most shallow interpretation of the book that you can get. There's a whole lot more. The bigger picture is a lost sinner who is brought by the providence of God into a committed relationship with God. And in fact, not only is she brought into a committed relationship with God, but she becomes an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, Jesus is Messiah not just for Israel. He's Messiah for the whole world, okay? He's the Savior of the whole world. Now, the reason for the title is I got to thinking about this. Do you realize we live in a day when commitment, real commitment, is a rare thing? There's just not a whole lot of commitment. Young adults and even some older folks don't want to commit themselves in marriage. You know what they want to do? They just want to live together for a while. Let's see if it works out first. Employees, many times, in businesses, all they're looking for is a paycheck. I'm not committed to my job. I'm not committed to my work. I'm not committed to my... I just want to get that paycheck each week. And if somebody offers me bigger pay, I'll just go there. And people, by the way, are not many times committed to the Lord's churches either. One of my great fears as a pastor is this, that as we see some church members fall by the wayside, and some will, I just, that's life, that's the way some people do, they just fall by the wayside. As we see folks fall by the wayside, that their unfaithfulness will discourage others and that they will follow their example. Amen. There's an example of commitment here in this first chapter of the book of Ruth, and we're going to look at it. But I have seen folks fall by the wayside and discourage other people. I've shared with you a testimony of one young woman who talked about other young adults who had quit coming to church. And so when they quit coming, she just said, well, I'll quit too. Thankfully, the Lord brought her back and she got back into the Lord's service and got back into church. But I have seen it happen. And some people say, because you have this fear, you just don't trust God, do you? No, I trust God. It's not that. I know people. I know how people do. I know the thought processes of people. And oftentimes when we feel like we're deserted, we just want to go with everybody else and follow the crowd. Remember Elijah from the book of 1 Kings in the 19th chapter, 1 Kings verse 4? Remember what he did after Jezebel threatened to take his life? And he went out and he prayed, Oh Lord, take away my life for I'm not better than my father's. And then he said this in verse 10, 1 Kings 19. And you may feel this way sometimes. I tell you what, sometimes your pastor feels this way. I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Did you ever feel that lonely? Did you ever feel that deserted, that alone in your life? Well, listen to what God, remember what God said to Elijah out there in the wilderness. He said, I have left me 7,000 in Israel which have not bowed unto Baal. When we get to thinking that we're alone, when we get to thinking that there's nobody else that serves the Lord the way I do, just remember God's got other people. We may not know who they are, we may not see them, but God's got other people that are serving him also. So we're going to look at this book, this first chapter of Ruth, and we're going to see a tremendous example of commitment, a tremendous example of faithfulness, and a tremendous example of a steadfast life. So Ruth teaches us something about remaining faithful even when others do not. And the first thing we see is what I call her concern in the first seven verses. Now think about her ancestry. 
Think about who Ruth was, where she was from. She was a part of a condemned nation. You remember reading about the Moabites in the Old Testament. If you don't, go to the book of Numbers, chapters 22 through 25. They were enemies to Israel. When they were coming out of Egypt and toward the promised land, Israel wanted to pass through Moab. They didn't want to let them. In fact, Balak, remember, called Balaam to come curse Israel. And every time he tried, God turned the curse into a blessing. But then finally, Balaam said, here's how you do it. You get your people, your sons, to marry the daughters of the Israelites, and your daughters to marry the sons of the Israelites. And guess what? God will curse them. And God will punish them. And they did at Baal Peor. And Moab has been judged and condemned by God. So here's Ruth. She's a lost sinner. And she's living in a condemned land. And she ends up marrying one of the sons of Naomi. But you see, Ruth is a picture of every person who does not have a saving relationship with God that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Living in a condemned world because this thing that we got right now is not going to last. God's going to melt it down. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So a lost person right now is living in a condemned world and they themselves are condemned. What was our condition before we were saved? We were lost. We were helpless before God. Romans 5.12 tells us that wherefore by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. All have sinned in Adam. We know that and we stand and we stood deserving of God's wrath. Over in the book of Ephesians. I don't think anything so clearly describes the condition of a lost person at the first three verses of the second chapter of Ephesians. Now, Paul's writing to people that are saved. But every once in a while, we need to be reminded where we came from, right? And so as he writes here in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. That's the first thing. We were separated from God in our sins, in our sin nature. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You know who he said we followed? We followed Satan. Before we were saved. And then he says in verse 3, Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He said you deserved, before you were saved, you deserved God's wrath. And every lost person in this world today, if some happen to be watching by way of live stream, guess what? You deserve God's wrath. But that's okay. I deserved it too. And I came to know Christ as Savior. And every person here that's saved deserved God's wrath until we came to know Christ as Savior. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 3 verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. In other words, we were just lost, undone sinners before we were saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that's where Ruth's coming from. And then look at what happened to her. Her husband dies. And her brother-in-law dies. And her father-in-law has died. And so now Ruth and her sister Orpah are left widows. And in that day there was very little hope for support. And there was very little hope for their future. The women didn't have the advantages then that they have now. 
And they faced a terrible time of trial in their lives. And their only real hope was, well, I'll go back home to daddy. And I'll stay at home with daddy and maybe some other man will come along and want to marry me. That was about all of the hope that these two women had. What a picture of the world today. You know what Job said in Job 14.1? Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. It just seems like that's all that happens to us. We don't have a very long life. I mean, you think somebody that's 70 years old and maybe even up into their 80s. Boy, I saw one the other day that lived to 105. I thought, it's fantastic. But how much is 105 years when it's compared to eternity? Man that is born of a woman is a few days, and it just seems like trouble, trouble, trouble. And the Bible tells us life's going to be filled with troubles and afflictions. There's going to be difficulties because we live in a sin-cursed world. I think we live in a day right now when people are trying to create a world where there are no problems, there's no disease, there's no illness, there's no death. And they want to ignore the Word of God like Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. So Naomi is there in Moab, and she hears that the famine in Israel has ended. There's bread in the land. I'm going to go back home. That was her decision. And Ruth and Orpah, her daughter-in-law, say, we'll go with you. They want to, there's a dedication, it appears, to their mother-in-law. And here's my thought. This is just pure conjecture, okay? That possibly both Orpah and Ruth had heard something. They had seen something in the lives of Naomi and her family that spoke to their hearts. We want to be a part of you. We want to be like you. And even in a condemned land, maybe Naomi said something about the Lord. Maybe Naomi taught her daughter-in-law something about God and about the Lord that was to come. And maybe Ruth and Orpah, again, this is conjecture, but maybe Ruth and Orpah, when they heard of Naomi's speak of God's blessings upon Israel, they said, we want to go there. We want to see that. We want to be a part of that. There's a good example for us as God's people, isn't it? Talk about what God has done for you. You know, it's real easy. This is nowhere in the notes, okay? But it's real easy, isn't it, to just get to complaining with everybody else about the way things are in the world? Oh, it's so bad. Cost of living's going up. Chance of living's going down. Price of food, gas, everything's too expensive and so forth. And just start complaining instead of telling people, well, things may be difficult, but look, my God's taking care of me. He promised that he would. He said, if I'd seek him first and his righteousness, he'd take care of all of my needs. Oh, we have so many good things we could be out saying to people instead of just falling in line with the world and complaining about conditions, just talking about what God has done for us. And I think that may have been what happened with Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. Now, they made a conscious decision, Ruth and Orpah did, didn't they, that they wanted to go back with Naomi. They said, here's what we're going to do. And by the way, that's how new life begins. That's how the saved life begins. It begins with a conscious decision to turn to God in repentance and by faith apply the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the starting point. Somebody witnesses. 
to somebody about the Lord. Somebody witnesses to some lost person about Jesus. Maybe it's at church in a class. Maybe it's at church in a message. Maybe it's in the home setting where a parent witnesses to a child, tells a child about the need to be saved. Maybe it's just one-on-one with a friend. And we tell them about God and we tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of that lost person. See, that's absolutely necessary. Jesus said in John 6, 44, No man can come unto me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And that drawing is the conviction. It is the wooing of the Holy Spirit. But there is the witness and there is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And then that person makes a conscious decision to apply the blood of Jesus Christ by faith. And that's how they're saved. Listen, nobody is saved accidentally okay I've told you I heard one of these TV preachers one time say to a bunch of folks some of you just got saved and you don't know it baloney I tell you when I was saved I knew it you're saved you know it the book of first John was written that we might know that we have lives so yes you're going to know when you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and by the way God doesn't have any grandchildren okay I wasn't saved because my parents were. I mean, I didn't, you're not going to ride into heaven on somebody's coattails, okay? Now, I think I had a better chance of coming to know Christ as Savior because my parents were saved. But I had to make that decision also to repent toward God, to put my faith in Christ, and to be saved. We must know that we have made a conscious decision to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. So there's Ruth, there is what she faced, there is her condition, but here's her challenge. Naomi encourages Ruth and Orpah to do what? To go back to their mothers. Girls, you need to just go back home. I'm going to Israel, but you girls need to go back home. And even in that, she says, I pray that God's going to bless you. I pray that God will take care of you, and she intends to send them away. This is a challenge because you look down to verse 10. Look at what they said in verse 10. They said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. This is a challenge to that commitment. You're our mother-in-law. We love you. We're sorry that your sons died, that our husbands died. But we want to stay with you. We want to be committed to you. And now, even though it's Naomi saying it, they're challenged right here to give up that commitment. Go back to your mamas. Go back home. So here's the question they face. Do I return to the old life, to idol worship and to heathenism? Or do I follow Naomi to go into the land that she has described, to go into this place where God is blessing? See, here's the thing. Life is filled with challenges. Everyday life is filled with challenges, and Satan would love absolutely nothing better than to destroy our lives for Christ and thereby destroy our witness and thereby destroy our testimony, and he will offer challenges. Now listen, folks, we've seen it here firsthand. For the last two years, at least, we have seen our people just, in my mind, pounded, okay? Satan, he's not attacking the church, we just keep praying that God will keep him away from this church as a body, this church as a, a unit. But in our individual lives, he's just coming in and bang, 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 bang. You know what he's doing? He's wanting us to give up this commitment of being faithful to God, of serving God. 
he's succeeded in some lives. Because we've had some folks that just have dropped out. We know that that happens. But here's the thing. Our response to these challenges when they come says a great deal about our hearts. It says a great deal about our commitment to God. It puts our hearts on display. And in the verses we're about to read, 10 through 13, we're going to see Ruth's heart. Okay? We're going to see Ruth's heart. Naomi tries to persuade them to go home. What does she do? First she says, I don't have any more sons. I don't have anybody else for you to marry, okay? So you might as well go home. And then she says, and then I'm too old to take a husband and have children. I can't provide you any more sons. And then she said, if I were to have sons, would you really want to wait around till they grew up? And by the time they got grown and got old enough to get married... Well, I don't want to say you'd be old women, but, you know, you'd be older women anyway. And so she just challenges them with this, and it's another attempt to just get them to go back to their families. Here's the lesson. Satan will hit us with a challenge, and if we don't respond to that challenge, you know what he'll do? He'll hit us with another one, and he'll hit us with another one, and he'll hit us with another one. So many times, you know, you, you read the gospel, I love Peter. I sort of compare myself to him sometimes. First of all, Peter always thought he needed to say something when he really needed to be quiet, you know. And he just seemed sometimes to be, to respond to challenges in the wrong way. And that's what happens with us many times that Satan just keeps hitting us with challenge after challenge after challenge to get us to fail and to get us to quit serving the Lord. How do you react? Because I said, some drop out. Some just say, that's it, I don't want more of this. Whether it's a challenge or whether it's just I'm tired of that preacher or I'm tired of church or I'm tired of the fellowship or whatever. Some just drop out. So how do we respond when Satan challenges us? Jesus said, you're, you're going to be opposed. He said, they've hated me, they'll hate you. If you're of the world, the world would love his own, but you're not of the world. If they've persecuted the master they're going to persecute the servant so you might as well get ready for it but here's what happens so often people start missing church occasionally okay just every once in a while but then after they miss church occasionally usually the this is experience speaking okay suddenly Wednesday night's just not all that important anymore. Well, preacher, you don't understand. I'm busy. i got things to do. The kids are involved in things and so forth and so on. And so Wednesday night just doesn't, it falls by the wayside. Well, yeah, it's not that important. It's just Wednesday night. Wednesday, you know what Wednesday night is to me? Wednesday night is cake and ice cream night. You know, we get the meat of the word, hopefully, and Sunday morning, Sunday night, we get some real good stuff on Wednesday night. What we're doing is, I mean, it may take me, I like the question I was asked when I announced that we were going to go through Second John, and the question was, how many weeks is that going to take? <laughs> well, okay, we've got seven-page outline for Second John, all right? I don't know how many weeks that's going to take, but we're going to get through it. But we really get in-depth in our study in the Word of God. 
So not that it's just Wednesday night. Wednesday night is important. Here's another reason it's important. Because the Lord said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And if this church says we're going to meet on Wednesday night, every member of this church has a responsibility, not to me, not to the church, but to the Lord, to be present. You say, I don't agree with that. I can't help it. Well, then they start to miss on Sunday night. Missing on Wednesday. Hey, God didn't strike me dead. I missed Wednesday. Quit going on Wednesday. God didn't strike me dead. I'll miss Sunday night. And start missing Sunday night. And then you look up and they're just gone altogether. I shared this with you recently, but somebody said one time church members are like old cars. They begin to miss a lot before they quit. And that's what happens. And Satan's been challenging, and then he has them right where he wants them. Here's what Satan's challenges ought to do. They ought to draw us closer to the Lord. You remember Job and what Job went through? He lost his family, and he lost his fortune. He actually lost his friends, too. But listen to what he said in the first chapter of Job, verses 21 and 22. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground. And what? And worshipped. Hey, listen, if you lost everything, if you lost your family and you lost all your fortune and you had friends falsely accusing you, could you worship God? Job did. And so he worshiped. And verse 21 says, and he said this, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what you're going out of here with? The same thing you came with. Okay, that's all we're leaving with. You may get a lot while you're here, but you're going to leave with exactly what you came with. And the only thing we can take to heaven with us is our family, our children, our friends, when they know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. But look at the responses of these women. First of all, Orpah. She hears what Naomi says. I don't have any more sons. I'm not going to get married again. I couldn't, you wouldn't want to wait on my sons anyway. And she kisses her mother-in-law, and she turns around, and she goes back to her family. Now, sadly, there's a lot of Orpahs in the Lord's work today. They'll be there for a while. But if things don't go just right, they're going to go back. They face the challenges by quitting, by defecting, by dropping out, by going back to the old way, by going back to the old life. Here's Orpah's problem. She still loved Moab. Her heart was still filled with love for Moab, for the old gods, for the old gang, the old group, the old ways. You know what she was? She was still a Moabite at heart. She had offered some allegiance to Naomi, but was still a Moabite at heart and never really possessed that love and that commitment to Naomi that she needed to follow with her. On the other hand, I'd rather talk about Ruth anyway and any time. Orpah left, but Ruth clung to her mother-in-law, the scripture says. She was determined to stay with her mother-in-law. She showed the very best response that could be shown. Because why? Her heart was with her mother-in-law. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And you know why a lot of people aren't in church today worshiping God and why a lot of people aren't serving God? Because their heart is in the world, not with the Lord Jesus Christ and not with his churches. And so Ruth chose the best response. Her heart was one of absolute devotion. Instead of driving us away from God, 
Satan's challenges ought to teach us to trust him even more. Over in the fifth chapter of Romans, verses that I love, I've shared many times here. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a moment, because look at what Paul said. We glory in tribulations. When's the last time you said, boy, somebody afflicted me for serving God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody condemned my faithfulness to God. Thank God for my faithfulness to God. Thank God I glorify Him. Paul said, we glory in tribulations. Listen, if you're going the same way as the devil, you're never going to run into him. You know that? The only time you're going to run into Satan is when you're going opposite of his direction. And Paul said, we, it just proves we're serving the Lord. We're, we're faithful to him. We glory in tribulation. But listen to this. Also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That word patience means endurance. We've talked about this before. When a trial comes, God sees me through that trial. I've endured. I've had patience. And what does patience bring? He says, and patience experience. We don't base our salvation upon experience. We don't base our salvation upon feelings. But you know, experiences are a good thing. Especially when we've seen God take care of us during a time of trial. And so, Paul says, this endurance gives us an experience to look back on. Satan challenged me. I had this trial in my life. But look, I endured. I stayed true to God. And he brought me through. And then he says, and experience hope, glad expectation. You know what? Whatever trial comes in the future, I know I'm not going through that trial alone. I know that God can bring me through that trial. I know that God can bring me through that difficulty. We live in a day when many of God's people are looking for an easy way to serve Him. Listen, it's not going to get any easier to serve God than it is right now. And it's not real easy right now, is it? I think the Israelites were looking for an easy way to get to Canaan when they left Egypt, you know. They wanted the quickest, shortest route, not having any problems. Well, they didn't get to do that because of their lack of faith. But Vance Havner said one time, there's no cheap, easy, lazy way to serve God. And there's not. We will either serve him faithfully, we will serve him according to his word, and we will have tribulations when that happens, or we'll quit serving him. Ruth demonstrates a changed heart. She is willing to follow a new Lord to a new life into a new land. Look what she said in verse 16. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. How many of us are willing to say that today? Lord, you're my God, and I'm going to serve you, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to go where you want me to go. So here's in verses 16 through 22, right quickly, here's her commitment. She commits to a new land. Naomi, I'll follow you wherever you go. I don't know anything about this land called Israel, but you're wanting to go there. I will, I will leave Moab forever, and I'll follow you into Israel. She commits to a new leadership. She is saying to Naomi, I'm going to let you guide my life. Because if we continue reading this book of Ruth, what happens? Many times, Naomi gives Ruth advice about the manners and the customs of the Israelites. She said, here's what you need to do. Here's where you need to go. Here's how this needs to happen. 
And Ruth just says, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to follow new leadership. And she commits to a new lifestyle. She's going to give up all the ways of Moab. She's going to be an Israelite in heart. It makes a dramatic change in her life. Listen, going from being a child of the devil to being a child of God will make a dramatic change in your life. Or it ought to. I think if we're truly saved, there'll be a dramatic change in our lives. In fact, Peter talked about that in 1 Peter chapter 4. He said, For the time past of our life may suffice us who have wrought the will of the Gentiles. In other words, before we were saved, we lived like pagans. That's what Gentiles were. Before we were saved, we lived like pagans. And he describes it when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. And then he says this, talking about the old friends, the old gang, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Somebody comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and their life has changed, and they don't live like they used to live. They live differently. They live for the Lord. And all that old gang's going to say, what happened to you? What's wrong with you? Why are you living this way? You used to be one of us. Now you're not one of us. What's going on in your life? Gives them a great opportunity to witness, right? Well, listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14. But, and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. When they say, well, what happened to you? You said, let me tell you. I have a new Lord, and I have a new life. And I'm going to a new land, <laughs> all right? And let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not for folks who have just been saved only. Folks, this is for all of us. When somebody notices a difference between us and the world, and they say, well, what's wrong with you? We tell them everything that is right with us because we know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. When we face Satan's challenges, and we glory in tribulations, Somebody says, what's wrong with you? No, it's what's right with me. I serve God. And this is just coming because I'm faithful to God, but God is going to reward me greatly. Then she commits to a new lineage. Ruth is willing to cut all ties with Moab, as I said. She wants to be a part of the nation to which she is going. And she's ready to claim a new lineage. And what did I say her lineage became? She marries Boab who is in the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a massive change. She's a lost sinner, an idol worshiper, and then she comes to know Christ as Savior, and she begins to follow Him, and she intermarries, and in fact is a part of His lineage. And she commits to a new Lord, and that's probably the greatest statement that she makes. Your God will be my God. I don't want any other gods. You know, the world offers us lots of gods, doesn't it? Fame, fortune, money. I wish we had young people in here this morning because I'd tell them this because Erin sent me a text yesterday. She said, Aaron Carter is dead. And I said, who's that? I have no idea. I don't keep up with these things. There's some singer that she had a crush on when she was little. She had his book and everything. But then she said this. He got caught up in the drug trap of Hollywood. Doesn't matter how much fame and fortune you have. That's a world trap. That's Satan's trap. It doesn't matter 
if you're in Hollywood or, or right here. You can get caught up in the drug trap here. Alcohol. I think the Bible calls it rioting and excess and, and those sorts of things. And get caught up in those and quit serving God. But Ruth says, I got a new Lord. And I don't do those things anymore. And then, look at this. She commits in verse 17 with absolutely no limits. Where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. She invokes a curse upon herself. If I ever forsake this commitment that I've made, if I ever turn my back on you, Naomi, if I ever turn my back on God, Naomi, may the Lord curse me and do all of these things to me that she, she invokes upon herself. She says... Lord, regardless of what happens, I'm going to be faithful to you. I can't help what happens, but I can help how I respond to what happens. And I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. And Ruth's commitment is a commitment that we ought to be willing to make to God and to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to cut all ties with the old life. I want to enter into the new land of God's blessings. That's what I want. I want a new Lord. I have a new Lord. I want to listen to Him. I want to serve Him. I want to commit to a lifestyle that is based solely upon the Word of God and His will for my life. You say, that's easy for you to do. You're a preacher. Every child of God can do that. Here's how you do it. Colossians chapter 3, one verse, verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You covet, guess what the Word of God calls it? Idolatry. When he says mortify your members, he says just count them as dead. I don't have to fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't have to fulfill the lust of the eyes or the pride of the I do it because I want to when I do those things. Count them as dead. We've had many, many pets in the past we have one now all the others have died in some way but you know when one died we no longer put the water bowl out we no longer put the food bowl out why because we knew that that pet was deceased we didn't feed it we didn't water it because it was gone that's what it means to count something don't make provision for the flesh because i tell you what if you make provision for the flesh the flesh will take advantage of that provision it means to say lord i want you to be the master of my life and to dominate every area of my life and then it says this i'm making this commitment lord without any restrictions without any reservations i want to serve you i said in the message last week the world does not need to see any more carnal believers Here's what it needs to see. People who will say, I know Christ as Savior, and I'm living for Him. I'm committed to Him. Regardless of what Satan in the world throws at me, I'm going to live for Him. And this is a commitment that must be complete, and it must be final. Ruth lived a consistent and a steadfast life. She committed to Naomi. She was brought into Israel. She married Boaz. She became a part of the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ and the covenant people of Israel. 
And it all came to pass because she was willing to change, to leave behind Moab and to follow the new Lord. Here's what she did. Here's what you do, by the way. What do you do when others around you are quitting? Don't give up. Don't look at the situation and say, you know what? Numbers sure are getting small at church. I think I'll lay out too. Things didn't go the way I wanted them to. So, you know, it'd probably just be better for me just to, to not go anymore. Well, you know, old brother so and so committed to the Lord years ago, but he's quit going. So surely if he can quit, I can quit. Some will say, well, because this person doesn't visit or witness, do whatever, then I won't. Don't base our service of God on somebody else. Base our service of God on His desire, His will for our lives, and His Word. That's what you do when other people are quitting.